In ballet, one of the most iconic images is that of a dancer wearing pink ribbon slippers, effortlessly balancing on her toes. Young ballerinas dream of the day when they're finally ready to dance on point, to put on the special shoes with the hard tip that allow them to create the illusion that they're floating and weightless. If you've ever water skied and you're zooming along and you let go of the tow rope and you coast, and then there's that moment where you stop and you, before you sink, that's how it feels. Like you're standing above the ground, you're standing above the water. Also, that moment when you're on an airplane and you're taking off and you can feel the plane just and you know you're up, it, you're above the ground at best. And I don't have a good foot for point work. I don't have an easy foot, for pliable foot for point work, but I always loved it. Putting those shoes on every time felt like a privilege. That's Carrie Hubata, who started dancing when she was eight years old and hasn't stopped. But she shows a path that took her off stage and into the role of teacher and incidental business owner. Dancers with the performing instinct kind of put up with rehearsals in order to get on stage. I loved the rehearsals. That part of being a professional dancer is what I enjoyed the most. The people I was with, the rehearsing. I didn't care if I got on stage. I, it was fun, it was another way of sharing this art, but I loved the process more than the actual being on stage. Carrie has taught classical ballet for the last 50 years, with almost all of those years at the Evanston School of Ballet, a studio she opened with her mentor in 1968. They set out to be teachers, not entrepreneurs, but they ended up with a decades-old business that's trained everyone from professional dancers to the mayor of Chicago. You'll hear Carrie Hubata's story on this episode of The Distance, a podcast about long-running businesses. I'm Waylon Wong. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, introducing the new Basecamp 3. Basecamp is everything any team needs to stay on the same page about whatever they're working on. Tasks, spur-of-the-moment conversations with coworkers, status updates, reports, documents, and files all share one home. And now your first Basecamp is completely free forever. Sign up at Basecamp.com slash The Distance. Saturday morning, and Carrie is teaching a class for adults and teens. The students wear black leotards and pink tights. Carrie, who has the unmistakably erect carriage of a ballet dancer, wears a dark red leotard and white tights with clogs. Everyone's hair is in buns. The studio, located in the northern Chicago suburb of Evanston, hasn't changed since Carrie and her former teacher, Phyllis Wills, opened it in 1968. It's the same painted tin ceiling, the same wooden bars and unforgiving mirrors, an upright piano off to one side for the accompanist who plays for every class. A couple of years ago, a gal was a longtime student of ours and lives out of state now, was in town visiting relatives and was having dinner across the street, and she saw that the lights were on and class was going on, so she came over, walked in the door, and started to cry. She said, it looks just the same. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a compliment or not. I mean, it's <laughs> oh, the same, yes, the same. <laughs> right. But uh, it's, it was kind of touching to see her reaction. She was glad to be here and just couldn't believe that it was 
like a rerun. Because <laughs> everything in the world changes, you know, so fast nowadays. Carrie was eight years old when her parents offered her a choice between dance lessons and piano lessons. She chose dance. I started with an ex-chorus girl who was a very nice lady who taught tap, ballet, and acrobatics all in the same hour. Uh, we had to change shoes for each event, and I think we spent most of our time changing shoes. But I loved the classes, and a friend of my mother's who really knew about ballet and serious ballet pulled my mom aside one day and she said, if the kid is that interested in it, you better find her a good teacher. And my mom said, well, you know, I thought ballet was ballet, you know, dance was dance. But this lady introduced us to Phyllis Wills, who became my teacher for many years and then my partner in this school. At that time, Phyllis Wills was teaching at a school in Chicago that had a studio on the south side of the city where Carrie lived. She still remembers her first day at the new ballet school. So I walked into this class and all these perfect little girls in white tunics with green belts and white ballet slippers and white anklets. I come in and I'm wearing a pink frock of some kind that was our uniform at the other school. It had puff sleeves and a flouncy skirt and, and we delighted in pulling the sleeves off the shoulder. And I didn't even have ballet slippers. They were acrobatic sandals, as I recall, little black elk sandals. And my hair was in pigtails, not pinned up in a bun off my neck. I didn't know any better. And my only hope to stay in that class was to figure out what the kid in front of me was doing. So my head was down the whole time watching these little, they were all shorter than I was. I was tall for my age even then. And I'm watching the feet of the person in front of me trying to get a grasp on what was going on. And poor Miss Wills spent the whole time trying to straighten out my spine get my head up straight and she'd pull the pigtails and try to get my chin up and the minute she walked away my chin would go back down and I was watching the kid in front of me and I just hoped that she would let me stay. I loved her immediately. Miss Wills did let Carrie stay and she continued ballet through her childhood and adolescence. When she started college she thought about giving up ballet and pursuing a career as a foreign language teacher but she kept dancing on the side and her Italian professor happened to see one of her performances. So after Christmas break, she caught me in the hallway after class one day, and she said, what are you doing in school when you can dance like that? I, uh, I left the class, the, the hallway that day, and I never went to another class. I sat on the campus and cried all afternoon out in the winter snow, and the <laughs> idiot. But I went home that weekend and talked to my parents, and they were wonderful. I thought I would get much resistance from them as, you know, to quit school like that. But my dad just said, I have taken out a loan against my life insurance policy to cover your education. Nothing says it has to be at college. You know, if you want to put that towards your teacher's training in dance, fine. But when that money's gone, I hope you can support yourself. Well, I thought that was beyond fair. Beyond. You know? <laughs> so I burst into tears, and poor dad just, please stop crying. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, we want you to be happy. You know? That was the end of Carrie's college education and the beginning of everything else. She returned to Phyllis Wills for her teacher's training, then got a job teaching at the same studio as her mentor. About three years after that, the two of them bought a building in downtown Evanston and opened up the Evanston School of Ballet. We ended up here in February of 1968, and we had one week to get the place transitioned 
for classes, and it was the wildest thing we ever did. If I'd have had time to stop and think, do I want to do this the rest of my life? You know, I, I maybe had a question mark, but do I want to do this now? Yes. And Miss Will's the same way, and it, it was not a mistake. We put up with all the other stuff, the payroll, the payroll taxes, the mailings, and, and all the phone calls and everything, just so we can get in there and teach. More importantly, Phyllis and Carrie could teach the way they wanted to. They were single-mindedly focused on quality education and classical ballet and instilling a strong work ethic and sense of discipline. At the Evanston School of Ballet, everything is stripped away but the bar and the music. Carrie doesn't even hold recitals because she would rather parents spend their money on additional lessons than on special costumes for a one-time performance. Another deal-breaker for her is live piano accompaniment for classes instead of pre-recorded music. When I was teaching with records, and this goes back 50 years more, I would get the kids already in position to go. And then I'd have to turn my back and turn on the record. And they were wiggling and eating their hair by the time they started. And it used to annoy me so much the time I had to spend finding the right band on the record or the CD player or whatever. And every year, for years, before the first class of the semester in September, I would have this dream that I, it was visitor's day and all the parents were seated in the classroom and I was teaching and the record player was at the top of a spiral staircase and I had to climb the staircase to get to it and climb back down to correct the students and climb back up. I, it doesn't take a Freudian expert to figure that out. You know, it just annoyed me so much and I begrudged every moment I had to spend with that machine. Plus, the machine isn't going to breathe with you and it's hard to change speeds on a CD you know, to slow it down or speed it up according to what the dancers need. When Carrie teaches, she's constantly watching and listening. She keeps an eye on the group as a whole so she can offer generalized corrections on form and alignment. But she's also so detail-oriented that she notices when the ribbons on an individual dancer's shoes have become untucked. Her classes are rigorous and exacting, which is what's required to make the human body perform with the otherworldly grace exemplified in ballet. Here's Elizabeth Turek, a former student of Carrie's who now teaches at the school. She started with Carrie at the age of 11, and they kept in touch by writing letters. You know, I was, like, afraid of her when I was a kid <laughs> because she's so wonderful. And even to this day, like, I'll take her class on Saturday morning, and I just think, oh, God, like, <laughs> I got want to be the best I can be. And it's never really enough, but it's that striving for something bigger than yourself that's so beautiful. Carrie doesn't sugarcoat the hard work that's involved in ballet, and she knows what her school offers is the opposite of instant gratification. It takes years of training and repetition to develop the muscle memory for ballet, and even more time before those movements become so internalized in the body that dancers can express themselves more freely. But Carrie can't imagine doing anything else. When she was younger, she briefly considered becoming a nun. It was too difficult to give up ballet, so she lived out her Catholic faith by dancing. It's where I feel closest to God is what I'm teaching, I think. Carrie took an important personal step in 1976 when she pledged to be a virgin living in the world. 27 years after making that private vow at her church, she was formally consecrated as a virgin by Cardinal Francis George. She's one of 10 such women in the Archdiocese of Chicago, 
and making the vow helped unify her pursuits of both a rich artistic life and a fulfilling spiritual life. I can remember kneeling in the chapel at Rosary College at the time, now Dominican University. Freshman year and the beginning of sophomore year, I'd be kneeling there saying, praying, oh God, please put me where you want me. <laughs> and, and I guess he did. <laughs> and now sometimes I say, why? <laughs> when I'm picking up the messes after class in the dressing room. <laughs> but that goes with any life. You know, there's you know, the bitter with the batter. <laughs> no, I'm very blessed yeah, to be able to do what I love and survive on it, yeah. Carrie has kept the Edmondson School of Ballet going for nearly 50 years, long enough to teach the children and grandchildren of former students. One notable student is Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who took ballet when he was a student at New Trier High School. It was, as I recall, a Tuesday and Thursday 1.30 class, and he and uh, Darcy Goldfarb got permission from New Trier to come and take class, and they got credit for it in phys ed, I believe. But Ram, even then, I mean, I, rem- I remember him being passionate, driven, you know, and I knew whatever he was going to do, that's the way he'd be. Carrie doesn't count the number of students she has or do much advertising. She's happy if the business is breaking even, if there's enough to keep the lights on and pay the accompanists. And word of mouth has always been enough to bring new students to the school. On Saturday morning, after class ends, a young girl and her mother stop by to pick up a brochure. It's been like that for decades, little girls peeking into the window and coming in to ask about lessons. They'll experience what students like Elizabeth Churick did when they started ballet with Miss Carey. She sees so honestly what you're doing, and you work so hard in front of her because she, she's phenomenal herself. She's an incredible dancer, and she's just so honest and, and exacting. She's not going to let you get away with doing something halfway or even 80%. And and in turn, then you won't let yourself get away with something halfway because she herself has lived and dances in such a way that's whole with all of her heart and soul is how I see it. The relationship that Carrie has with her mentees and younger teachers mirrors the one she had with Phyllis Wills. And she has been best friend, business partner, mentor, other mother, you know, just everything rolled up into one in a wonderful, long-lasting relationship. Yeah, I'm so grateful. Miss Wills retired in 1986 and now lives in Florida. She's 93 years old. Carrie's been running the school by herself for almost 30 years, and she feels the absence of her friend, although they still talk every day on the phone. It was hand in glove all, all the way, yeah. So I missed that terribly. But I wasn't ready to, to quit, so, and I'm, I'm still not. I just had a hip replacement in June so that I could continue this madness. About 20 years after Carrie's first class with Miss Wills, the one where she kept staring at the person in front of her, the two women were sharing their memories of that class, and Carrie learned something new from her former teacher. She said, well, that first day, Mr. Defner." our accompanist, turned to me after class and he said, boy, have you got a dedicated student in that kid? And she said, I asked him, which one? He says, the new one. Did you see the way she looked at you? I said, oh, let's call him and tell him we're still together. He had passed away. We tried to reach him and we reached his last landlady or whatever, but uh, I hope that somewhere, someday he knows. 
The Distance is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong. Our illustrations are done by Nate Otto. Thanks to Joe Siebert for telling me about the Evanston School of Ballet. Remember, you can catch up on old episodes and sign up for a newsletter at thedistance.com and follow us on Twitter at DistanceMag. That's at DistanceMag. The Distance is a production of Basecamp, the leading app for keeping teams on the same page about whatever they're working on. Your first Basecamp is completely free forever. Try the brand new Basecamp 3 for yourself at Basecamp.com slash The Distance.